Politics, Politics, and Life Sciences Radio, also known as PLS Radio, is a show about the interplay of life sciences and politics. PLS Radio is hosted by Dean L. Finelli, Ph.D., an intellectual property attorney in Washington, D.C., whose practice focuses on issues connected to the life sciences industry. PLS explores cutting-edge topics involving the biotech and pharma ecosystems, political and governmental policy issues affecting the biotech and pharma industries, and much more. PLS guests include scientists, business, medical professionals, media personalities, newsmakers, and political leaders. Politics and Life Sciences Radio is your place for hot topic discussions and real news in the life sciences industry. Now, it's time for Politics and Life Sciences Radio with your host, Dr. Dean L. Finelli. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Dean Finale with Politics and Life Science Radio. Thank you for joining us today where we talk about all the issues in the life science industry and the politics that drives the industry. I'm very pleased today to have as our guest, Dr. Jonathan Tempty. Dr. Tempty is an MD, PhD, MS, and is the Associate Dean for Public Health and Community Engagement at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. Uh, it's great to have him as a guest today. Before we bring on Dr. Tempty, let's see what's going on in the world. So this Delta virus is really spreading and getting kind of scary out there. We've heard about other variants of the coronavirus, and uh, luckily, you know, they haven't really, uh, the vaccines have been pretty effective, and they haven't been really that terrible. But this, I'll be honest, this Delta variant, starting to worry me a little bit. It seems like, you know, unlike the other variants we heard that were more transmissible, this seems like it's a lot more transmissible, this current variant. And we're seeing that in states as I think it's 45 out of the 50 states, uh, the hospitalizations are going up, the number of cases are going up. So uh, it's to me, it's concerning because, you know, we're at that point of the summer where, you know, this is kind of that time of year where everybody's outside you wouldn't have, you would expect cases not to be going up and obviously when we get into flu season come the fall that's when we expect to see cases going up the fact that they're going up now i hope is not a harbinger that you know this fall is going to be really bad but anyway we'll just have to uh encourage those people who haven't gotten vaccinated if they're able to to get vaccinated uh luckily pfizer came out uh with a study uh excuse me about the pfizer vaccine it seems that that vaccine is about 88% effective against the Delta variant. That's good. Johnson & Johnson's vaccine also is effective against the variant, not as good as the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, but the single-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine does provide uh, some protection against the variant, the Delta variant. So that's good news. But again, uh, when we're talking about how quickly this spreads, and the fact that, you know, we keep hearing about variants, uh, it's just a matter of time, it seems, before there's a variant out there that, you know, will elude these vaccines or at least, you know, get to a point where we may have to have a, a, an effective booster. But that's uh, hopefully a subject that, you know, we'll talk about in the future and maybe we won't be talking about that. <laughs> so Mitch McConnell, we've heard a lot of news about Republicans, especially uh 
when it comes to vaccination, Democrats, about 85% of Democrats said they would get or will get vaccinated. It's only about 45% when it comes to Republicans. Mitch McConnell warned that lockdowns uh, could come back if we don't get these vaccination rates up or at least get control of this Delta variant. So that's something that, you know, no one likes to hear that. We saw this earlier this spring, the country started opening up uh, with Texas removing its mandate. Uh, There was a lot of criticism. It looked like at the time uh, it may not have been the right move or a little too hasty, but in retrospect, it looked like it was the right decision. It's going to be interesting to see these states now, especially these states that are led by Republicans, if they're willing to then back up and either put mass mandates back into effect or closures or some type of, um, you know, precautions that we saw last year. Uh, I'm not optimistic they will do that. It seems like it's kind of stay the course, which is a bit concerning. But nonetheless, um, you know, it's an issue that uh, whether they want to deal with it or not, we're going to have to deal with it. We also heard in Florida, Governor DeSantis said he's not ready to make any changes yet. Meanwhile, the cases in Florida are really uh, tending to trend upward in the wrong direction. So again, Delta variant is very concerning. It's uh, an issue that uh, we really, we've heard a lot from the Surgeon General talking about this is become, becoming an issue of protection by the vaccinated uh, versus the unvaccinated. So hopefully people that aren't vaccinated, uh, if you're not willing to get that vaccine, you at least need to wear that mask and social distance because this Delta variant does seem to spread a lot quicker and be a lot more transmissible than the previous variants we talked about. Uh, I'd like to bring on our guest now, Dr. Jonathan Tempty. As I mentioned, Dr. Tempty is the Associate Dean for Public Health and Community Engagement at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. Uh, Dr. Tempty has also been active on the pandemic influenza and bioterrorism working groups for the state of Wisconsin. His current research interests include viral disease, surveillance in primary care, use of absenteeism monitoring at schools as early warning for influenza outbreaks, early detection of influenza and long-term care facilities. So Dr. Tempty really has uh, a particular expertise in this area, so we're very lucky to have him today. Dr. Tempty, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much, Dean, for the invitation and joining you here today. So you heard my uh, little uh, take on the Delta variant, you know, with, with your background, does this Delta variant feel a little different than the, you know, the previous we heard about the UK variant, South Africa variant, the Brazil variant? Does this Delta variant feel a little different to you? Well, it, it does. And it's acting like what we see with variants that come in. Uh, basically, the reason we see new strains come in and take over is that they have an advantage over the existing strains out there. So back uh, in February and March of this year, I was warning people about the UK variant because it was more transmittable. And lo and behold, starting in about May, uh, we started seeing the Delta come into North America. And in the course of two months, it's become the dominant strain now. But again, the reason is it is just much more transmittable, uh, much more easily jumping from person to person. And some of the estimates are 
twofold higher transmission than the uh, original strains. Yeah, that's concerning. And we hear, you know, from a public health aspect, you know, you look at these states that everyone wants to get back to normal, no doubt. But do you think, you know, the time is now to start pulling back, you know, especially, you know, when you're talking about unvaccinated people uh, and, and sort of tightening up sort of what we did six, nine months ago with regard to potentially closing things down? Or do you think at this point, you know, we could still get through uh, with the status quo? Well, there, there are a number of different factors that one has to keep into mind. And I think first and foremost is the fact that viruses that transmit through a respiratory mechanism tend to do so much better during the cooler months of the year when we tend to be more indoors, tend to have drier air and so on. So during the summertime, uh, we're maybe catching a little bit of a break here. Uh, you know, just from my own part of the country, watching the uh, celebrations in Milwaukee after the Bucks uh, won the, the NBA championship, seeing 60,000 people outdoors closely gathered was worrisome. And I'm hoping that many of them uh, are vaccinated. But on top of that, I think we also have to consider what happens in now six weeks as schools start coming back together again. And the largest group of unvaccinated people are now put into close quarters. Uh, so we're going to have all those children uh, who are under the age of 12 who aren't vaccinated. And many of those who are from 12 to 17 uh, have not taken advantage of the vaccine. And that just opens the door for a lot of transmission. So I don't think we're out of the woods yet. And so going back to your question, is this the time to back down? Probably not. We have to be cautious. And this is the time we really, really have to be ramping up and making sure we're getting as many people as possible vaccinated. And unfortunately, if you look at the numbers, this is not happening right now. We're just seeing kind of every week being lower and lower vaccine uptake. Now, do you think the, the spread of this and the increased hospitalization will motivate those people that are, are not vaccinated yet? Or do you think they just have their heels dug in and it's a decision they made? And, you know, I know I'm asking you to look in the crystal ball, but what do you think, you know, the, the rationale for this? Because we keep trying to rationalize, oh, when this happens, you know, we'll see people start getting vaccinated. But it just seems like those statistics are kind of plateauing with, you know, the number of people not getting vaccinated, you know, people are continuing, but not at definitely not at the pace earlier this year. In this situation, I think we have to kind of concentrate on who's out there. We have people who are vaccine accepting and many of those have already been vaccinated. We have people who are totally vaccine avoidant, uh, who will reject vaccine no matter what, but there's, kind of this middle ground of people who are vaccine hesitant and people who are hesitant can be hesitant for a number of reasons. It might be simply because it's inconvenient to get to a immunization uh, appointment uh, or there's not uh, an access point close or there's a transportation issue. So I think those are where we have to put a lot of our effort. There are some people who are waiting to see, you know, um, if the vaccine is safe. And I can assure you that now globally after several billions of doses, uh, this is the most 
ambitious vaccine campaign ever. And we're seeing what I would say is an expected number of adverse events, but we're not seeing anything of real concern out there. And so it's really takes a lot of education and a lot of persistence to get into those pockets where people are uh, just not, uh, you know, easily convinced, but can be convinced. And this is where I think there's a real need uh, from political leaders, particularly those who have been uh, kind of anti-public health, anti-vaccine, to really step up to the plate and become responsible for the benefit of all of us. We all want to get back to normal, but we can't do that as long as we have substantial pockets of individuals who uh, are, are not taking this seriously. Yeah, that's a great point. I couldn't agree more. I read this morning there are 97 uh, Republican congressmen or women that won't even admit whether or not they've received the vaccine. So when you have people that won't even tell you whether they got it or not. And, you know, I don't want to pick on Republicans only because I'm sure there's Democrats out there uh, in much smaller numbers, obviously, according to polls that won't get the vaccine. But nonetheless, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we saw earlier this year uh, when former President Trump was vaccinated, and I think it took several weeks before it even became public that he was vaccinated. So I, I, I agree with you. I think if if these politicians you know, would act more responsibly and at least put that message out there. I think, especially when you see a number like only 45% of Republicans are vaccinated, that's, that's a pretty concerning number. When you, yeah, when you, I was just going to say that this is really kind of a, um, an arena for what I would call extraordinary leadership where one has to overcome you know, some of those barriers and just be a, a good role model. I, I would uh, argue that a number of the uh, people out there who are refusing to announce whether or not they've been vaccinated, we know very well that they have been vaccinated. Um, and I, I think it's really imperative to, you know, do the modeling out there. Um, so, for example, I, I had the privilege of receiving my first uh, Pfizer vaccine dose on January 21st. And that, you know, I, I took a selfie of the moment. It went up on my Facebook almost immediately because I felt it was very, very important to model what we were, you know, talking about. So I, I think it's so very, very important to try and break down these this is a serious, serious pandemic. We have had over 600,000 uh, Americans lose their lives because of this. We've had 40 to 50,000 children lose their parents because of this. We have untold numbers of people who are going to be having long-term effects of this. And we just have to rise up to the occasion and be better people about this. Now, do you think, you know, we're talking about the Delta variant now, you know, just from a where we need to be, do you think there's going to be other variants? Because one of the things I think, you know, when people when I talk to people in the profession, the public health profession, they're really fortunate. I think we're all fortunate that this kind of targeted older people when we think respiratory viruses tend to 
target younger and older people. The younger people, for the most part, have been spared. Do you think we're going to start seeing, you know, as more variants appear, because we don't seem to be getting this under control as quickly as we had hoped, that we'll start seeing an increased risk to younger people? Well, I think there's a whole lot of potential out there uh, for where we're going to end up. And I think, first and foremost, we have to keep in mind that every time we have a transmission from one person to another, this acts as a really strong selection process for variants. We're looking, you know, that allows things to come through that have an advantage. So when you look at public health saying we need to get everybody vaccinated as fast as possible, the key message there, and I don't think it's been made well enough all along, but the key message is we need to prevent transmission because that is the fuel for generating new variants. And new variants can go in virtually any direction, but we tend to see positive selection for those variants that are more contagious. Uh, and then we also have the carry along, carry along baggage that might re result in increased morbidity, you know, uh, uh, bad hospital outcomes, or even death. And so we have to be very, very, very cautious with this and try to get as much of that transmission stopped as possible. And what do you think, you know, what's the, the best way to, to get people to, to do this? Because, you know, when you hear, when you just see the anecdotal information on the news or go on the web and see this information, you know, people, I think, that aren't vaccinated when they heard, OK, if you're vaccinated, you can go out without a mask. It seems that generally everyone just took that as, OK, we're through this. It's over. And I think we got a little bit, um, you know, maybe overly confident when we saw the numbers going down a few months ago. Now, taking back up, where do you think we're going to be in three months? Well, I'm I'm hopeful that we won't see anything quite like what we saw last fall. And the reason I say that is we've had so many people uh, sickened in this country. You know, the, the official tally is about three or 33 million cases. And I think conservatively, you could multiply that by three to four to come up with a total number of cases. Add on top of that the number of people who have been fully vaccinated, and we start getting up to fairly high numbers, let's say 60 to 70% of our population currently is immune. And the people who are immune may still contract this virus, but they're certainly going to have less of a significant outcome than people who are naive or have not been exposed or vaccinated. So I'm hopeful that we're not going to see anything quite like what we did this past uh, fall through December and January. But we will still see some pretty significant outbreaks in pockets. And that's what we're seeing right now. So, for example, in my county here in Wisconsin, we have an incredibly high rate of vaccination. And we're seeing very, very few cases. At the same time, though, we can look uh, a few states away and see large outbreaks where there are numbers of people being hospitalized. We're seeing deaths increasing again. And that's something we just want to avoid. So I, I think 
the long and short is we can do a really quick uh, area by area comparison and see where are the locations that we're seeing increased rates, increased cases, increased deaths, and where are we seeing kind of low levels. And, you know, the, the factor that we see most importantly that dictates this is the level of vaccination. And so that's something we really have a control over uh, if we just are willing to take advantage of this incredible technology. Well, let's hope people do take advantage of it because, you know, as you mentioned, this is, uh, you know, there is that potential there. Dr. Tempty, thank you so much for your time today. It was great to and talk thank to you. you so much. Thank you for that valuable information. It has been a pleasure. Take care now. Thank you for listening to Politics and Life Sciences Radio with Dr. Dean L. Finelli. For more information, check us out at facebook.com slash politics and life sciences.